0: Welcome to the Drum History Podcast. I'm your host, Bart Vanderzee, and today I am joined by Mr. Rami Anton of A&F Drums. Rami, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me, dude. I've been looking forward
0: to this one for a long time. Um, it's been recommended a bunch. Um, you make some of the most innovative and beautiful drums that are truly on another level. I mean, you're, you are in a league of your own as far as like, um, like your website says, luxury drums. Um, so... <laughs> Congrats on that, man! I mean, really, they're amazing.
1: Thanks, man. It's a it's a team of people. I, I always have to emphasize that because it's uh it takes an army over here, man. For sure, it takes an army. Yeah, but thank you. That's very, very, very considerate.
0: Absolutely. And I just remember, like, I, and I'm going to learn. We're going to learn all the dates here, but it just seemed like you. I, I know it's you've been a lifelong drummer, and we'll hear about that, but like, you really came out running, and um, and just it seemed like you know. Over you know a pretty quickly period of time, ANF was just like boom. You guys are dominating and uh, and are a you know a massive player in the game. But you're not like a hundred and whatever year old company like Ludwig. You're you're relatively new. So
1: we're five. Oh my god! <laughs> we're five years old. Wow. Man. You have and uh, we did come out running, but I would say we came out chasing because <laughs> it's felt like chasing since we started. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I say that with the utmost gratitude um, because we're chasing because people reacted so quickly and really have been so supportive, man.
0: Yeah, it's unique. It's not um, there's there's a uh, you've you know, you've got a niche in the market and uh, you're you're going for it. But um, so let's just like jump in here and. I mean, really, you as a person, I'm so interested about your background because I feel like you are really the brand. I know you said it's a team of people, but um, obviously you're the you're the man behind A&F. So um, tell us about your background, um, how it all started and how you actually got into making luxury drums.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I'll do the Twitter version, man. (laughs) Uh, Born in Egypt, family migrated to the States. I grew up listening to Eastern music first. So odd rhythms, odd um, accents. And when I finally kind of got exposed to Western music, 4-4 was an odd thing for me Mm. because there wasn't so much variation, at least initially rhythmically. Uh, So that's kind of like, you know, my ears gravitated towards this odd space. And then 4-4 was odd to me. Um, And uh, very strict parents to a certain degree, as far as career, as long as I did well in school, I could have hobbies as I pleased. And one of my hobbies was playing drums. I loved it. And I started tapping on things when I was three. My father who plays piano recognized that I could keep time. And so he would gradually buy me, you know, upgraded a snare drum, a drum kit, you know? And so he supported it that way. But again, as long as it was a hobby, we're good. Don't think about doing this outside the house type of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, my dad, you know, would book these these fun parties with his buddies and be like, Rami, come, you're going to play drums with us. So all of a sudden I was playing out <laughs> <laughs> just as, with the family, yeah. you know, for fun.
0: The rules are expanding so a little like, bit. It's like you can play with the family. <laughs> totally,
1: man. Yeah. Like my first band for 12 years was playing with my dad. Wow. And I knew nothing else. And it was Eastern music. It was a lot of European music. Uh, very rarely was there any Western music in those sets. Then I get to college, my second year in college. Um, this couple of buddies of mine are writing these songs and they're playing this coffee house and they're like, man, it would be so cool to have, you know, drums or percussion. And I was like, well, I could like grab a conga and play. And they're like, you play I'm like I mean I can bang on stuff, you know, I can I can keep time. Cuz again, I had no gauge outside of my dad. Yeah. I had no gauge if I sucked, if I was any good, if I was, you know, I just had no gauge and I played this coffee house gig with them. And that turned into my first band and lo and behold I could play kit to uh, western music and people thought it was great and I don't know man, it just kind of took from there. Flash forward, graduating college, I got a full-time job as a probation officer and i'm going to law school wow nothing to do with music at all and uh i get to almost at the end of my first semester of law school and i totally have like a panic attack as i'm driving to school you know to pick some stuff up and then drive to work and i just i remember thinking there's no way that god gave me these ears to hear music and play music and and it not have an avenue Mm -hmm. and not not have a place in my life and if i'm going to see about this thing called music in my life i have to do it now i can't do it later when i've got family kids at least i didn't think that way you know 21 years old just freaking out in the car so i drive to school i drop out of law school drive straight to work i quit my job had a great supervisor there who actually encouraged me at that point jumped in a van with eight guys And played reggae and ska music, basically, up and down the California coast, you know, making zero money. (laughs) That's awesome. But having the time of my life, dude. for sure. And, you know, when you start playing out, again, a lot of musicians learn this early, but this is, this is, I'm 21 at this point, haven't played out much at all. So for eight months straight, I'm playing out, playing gigs with other bands, opening, you know, headlining, whatever. And I start to realize, oh, okay, cool. I can actually play drums. This is not, you know, I should really, because of course, like you start to understand and people are like, man, you should be doing, where did you cut like this whole thing? Where'd you come from? I was like, man, I just didn't know. I just didn't <laughs> yeah. know. I had no idea. Yeah. You know? Um, and then in that season, ironically, just discovering music, really, really discovering music more and listening more. Now that it's my career. Uh, I almost felt like I just, uh, it was my responsibility to now study this thing that I was doing. And I loved it, man. I just, I listened to so much music and really fell in love with, you know, how do I be the guy that's playing on the music that's recorded? Like, what's that guy called? Yeah. And uh, at the time, I took a, um, I, or I was, I was, playing in a band that got a production deal, and it was time to go in the studio, and the producer's like, we're only bringing the singers in. Mm. We don't. We use studio musicians. I was like, cool. I didn't know anything. So I was like, yeah, that's how it works. That's fine. <laughs> and then uh, the guys in the band like, no, man, you should really get Rami in. Like, He can do this. And they really fought for me, ironically. And so the producer's like, one song. He comes in, one song, he plays the house kit. You know, it's mic'd. That's what he gets. And if he if he can really do it, let him play the record. Wow. Right. So I go in, and that was actually Flow and Flo and Eddie. So Mark Mark Volman mm-hmm. uh was the producer. And that's who I was going in the studio, wow. you know, to record for. And uh not only did I do the song, I did the whole record, and then he hired me to play with the Turtles for a gig because their drummer was out of town. Oh man. And so it started to click like, oh cool, man. Like this is this is my career. Like I love this. And I think I'm actually good at it. So as long as people will have me, I will play drums. Mm. And uh, and I did, man. I played drums on anyone and everyone's recording that asked whether there was zero money or massive budget, and did it for about seven years straight in L.A. Just always recording commercials, film, records. Didn't matter. Just get in the studio, do the best you can do with whatever gear you got. And at that time. I'd collect, started collecting vintage gear because the sound and the vibe and all the things about these old drums was fascinating to me. So vintage drums in the studio recording with as many people as possible. And then, uh, you know, I get a call and it's this massive tour with a huge artist. It, there wasn't even an auditioning. The guy saw me play two days earlier Hmm. at a local gig and said, we want this gig. Wow. I said I do want this gig, but I'm leaving a lot of studio work and a lot of like first call producer things to do this. And I've never made this decision before. I don't know about this, this how this works, but I love this artist. I love his music, and I grew up listening to it. So that was sealed. But oh, I was gonna, I was about to say, um, can you say who it
0: is? I mean, man, that's awesome too. Uh. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It was sealed. cool. And so I did. Man, I went went on the road for. Uh, I went on the road for about, I think. About four or five years. Wow.
0: I had no idea.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Recording, writing. I mean, it was, dude, talk about a dream gig. Yeah. Now, mind you, you know, I hadn't been on a tour like that before. So you go on that tour and you're like, oh, man, touring is amazing. Right. Yeah. But that's not how everybody tours. (laughs) And I learned that after the fact, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. What years were the, um, you know, the session times and then into your time with seal.
1: Yeah. The session times were 96 to 2002. Okay. Um, and then, uh, seal came right at the, right at the, at the end of 2003. And, uh, I was with them through 2000. I want to say
0: 2007. man. That is awesome. And
1: I left because, uh, yeah, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. I, I left because I signed a, uh, a record deal with one of my writing buddies, universal hmm. And we had to go promote. If you sign a deal as an artist, you are obligated to label. So I couldn't, I couldn't be committed to seal and that. Um, and so that's, that's, that was my musical journey. And I, Did the you know, when I when we when I left SEAL to do the universal thing, that led to a lot of writing songs for movies and TV and cool film and commercials and stuff and did a lot of that. And that was also in the season where we moved to Austin from LA, got married, moved to Austin, uh, had a studio here, always had a studio here, writing, recording, making, you know, making music basically always producing as well. And and then um, So that's my, I mean, that's my musical journey. I've always played, written, produced. Wow.
0: You know, and it's, it's interesting because I guess other instruments have this, but, um, you're a prime example of like, I feel like like a lot of drummers, um, and it really worked out for you, but like, you know, you need to be that multifaceted, you know, you can engineer yourself, you can, you have a studio, you can produce yourself. Um, and you were kind of ahead of the curve, um, with like the everyone having a home studio because, you know, you need to get it all done. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it really worked out for you. It's something special about drummers, you know, being able to step out and do, do more than just the drums.
1: Yeah. I think the minute you start thinking, man, I want to have a family, but I don't want to give up music. That is such a big statement (laughs) and to try and actually make that shift, you've got to, you've got to like figure out, all right, What about all the possible revenue streams that I actually can get excited about? What, how can I work harder at all these revenue streams to make sure that I can keep making music or be around music and support a family, you know, and eventually put kids through college, like all those things that you want to do. And yeah. And I think, I mean, I think some of that came from my upbringing, like just driving home, you've got to be responsible. You've got to be an attorney or a doctor. Like you've got to do these things and support a family. It was traditional. Um, Upbringing, but the work ethic that that birthed in me, I think, always stayed with me. And so I always felt, no matter what I did, I had to do the best I can. I had to make sure I, I you know, like I, I, uh, I was able to drive as many directions as possible to create those revenue streams to keep doing what I was doing. So that, that's kind of a. Dumb.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's almost like, uh, like, you know, it's good to have parents instill, I don't want to say like a fear, but like a a a sense of like it might not all be okay just out, you know, if you don't try hard. Like there's a chance it might, you yeah. know, you need to work hard. Yeah. And that's why they encourage you to do that. But um wow, that's awesome. So that's that's a good journey. I can't believe you were so you said you were a parole officer.
1: I was I was interning at the probation office, uh the probation department, uh, where okay. I was going to college. And then when I was my senior year, I got offered a full-time position as a probation officer. Probation officer. Got it. Yeah. Which I took because I thought, okay, I knew that going to law school, unless I was number one or number two in my graduating class, I was going to get zero court, um, like zero time in the courtroom. And that's what I loved about law is actually getting in and arguing cases. And, and so litigation wasn't, wasn't possible for a grad, sc- you know, law school grad. Uh, yeah, but sure. if you worked if you worked with the, the DA's office, when you graduated, you could go in and become an assistant DA immediately. So you get immediate courtroom experience. I, I get it. It's criminal law, but still it's yeah, courtroom sure. experience. And so if I was working as a probation officer and going to law school, I had a shoe in at the DA's office as soon as I graduated. Yeah, That was the plan. <laughs> I got interrupted.
0: Yeah, it's all who you know. My wife is an attorney, and um, I think there's a little bit of it where she loves her job. But I think sometimes it's like you even said, where it's like it's a safe thing to go to law school. Like it was like, well, I'm going to go to law school because that's what you do. I can then keep going to school, which is safe. Yep. Um, Which she does love the law. I shouldn't, you know what I mean. But like, um, and then you're in law school, but there's sometimes there's a bubble where everyone did that, and you get out, and there's not as many jobs, but. She was a juvenile public defender for about 5 or 6 years and uh oh wow some serious stuff like in the courtroom defending kids who have done some pretty bad things and you have to get them the best, you know, yep. situation that they can possibly get but um it's it's a little more serious than what I do. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, man, I I saw it all. I saw all the cases and there were certain divisions that I just within a week I was like I I don't I'm not handling those cases. Get me out of that. And we don't have to get
0: into that, but yeah, that's a tough, scary stuff. No, it is. But, um, all right. So you're in Austin, you're off the road. You, um, are married at that point. Not that that really matters, but it does. Obviously you're married at that point. You've got, uh, you know, you're building your, you've got a home studio. Uh, so you're working on a lot of film and television stuff. You said, and just recording, writing music, um, take it away from there. What, what, what happened after that?
1: Um, I, my wife and I were going to a church here in Austin, a pretty big church. Um, and they, that one of the pastors and I, we lived on a golf course at the time. I love golf. And so, uh, I'd go golfing with one of the pastors there and, um, one thing led to another and somehow I took a role overseeing all the arts at this Hmm. mega church, um, Lots of beautiful things in that season. It's not all it's not all great, but some of the most beautiful things that came from that season uh, was the ability to share with other young artists my journey and hope that from things that I've done and decisions that I made that were good and decisions that I made that were horrible, they could glean some wisdom <laughs> and take that and go. Um, my wife and I opened our home daily. To people that were struggling, artists you know is all focused on artists, but artists going through addictions and breakups and financial hardship, like the list is long, mm-hmm. right? And we just found yeah. ourselves really comfortable and and uh, peaceful just being there for people, especially in the artist community. So that part I love. We did it for five years together. Hmm. Um, That's awesome. and then towards the end of that, I felt a pull. I was actually getting some calls to do some more touring. um, And I really wanted to work with this one artist specifically that called and we had done a record together. And then a few months later, he said, man, put together a band with me and let's, let's go tour this thing. Uh, So that was Ed Kowalczyk from the band live. Yeah. So we went out, yeah, we toured together and played and just had a ball um, for about I'd say for about uh, three years or so. Hmm. And also during that time, there was a Japanese artist that I was, and this ties into a there was a Japanese artist that I was working, that I had made, I had recorded his records, played drums on his records in LA for many years. And he called, or his management team called and said, Hey, um, this artist, the artist wants you to come to Japan for, two and a half months and do his 50, 50th reunion tour. Uh, but he wants you because you played on the records. He wants you to do it. And at first I said, man, I, I can't leave my family for two and a half months. He's like, no, 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 your family, everybody, we, we got you a flat. We'll wow. take care of everything. Cause I had my wife and my two kids, you know, a nine month old <laughs> and a two year old. <laughs> oh
0: man. I can totally you know. understand that. That is insanity.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> The diapers and the formula. That luggage alone was three times everything else we took. You know. Yes. Because we didn't know what God. was out there. We had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, man. They, so I spent I spent that time in Japan, and so before I left for that, I kind of made this like decision with my wife. Hey, honey, I've been playing drums for a long time. I will, and I've always bought vintage gear, right? I said, I, I want to buy like two amazing snare drums. I want to spend what we would never think of spending, but just to commemorate, you know, kind of like what, all this playing I've done in my career. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, absolutely do it. So I spent a lot of money on two snare drums. Don't no, I don't want to say <laughs> what they are. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And, uh, and took them with me on this, like excitedly taking them with me on this nine, you know, a uh, nine or 10 week tour in Japan with this artist. And these are, you know, these are 40,000 seater arenas that were playing um indeed mm. within within i don't know the first three songs of the first show i had gone through both snares and they weren't they weren't doing what i wanted them to do interesting they were doing what they were built to do they weren't doing what i wanted them to do and so it was a very mm. personal thing that i wanted and i realized okay i'm gonna have to figure out did i buy the wrong drums or like what anyway so i come back from that and kind of with a little bit of a vengeance, like I gotta, f- I have to figure this out for myself. It's nobody else's responsibility. I want a certain sound. I should be able to figure it out. And kind of went on that journey, and that journey was, you know, it was about, a, I would say, uh, maybe two years of kind of discovery, if you would, and mm-hmm. then six months of, you know, I know exactly what I want now. I know how it has to be made. I know exactly what it needs to sound like. I got to find someone to help me make it because I don't make drums. <laughs> you know.
0: Well, I was going to say, so are you in the garage, you know, with like a lot of your drums are metal, obviously. So you're like hammering metal or are you more just like trying different drums that you like? I like this size. I like this metal. I like this, you know, kind of hoop. So you're just experimenting.
1: Yeah, I'm taking everything that I loved about vintage drums and dissecting it at this point. In the studio, every single snare drum that I own, like the vintage stuff, listening, looking at the way they're made, trying to figure out, man, why is this drum that I bought for $40 that, you know, looks like somebody's garbage, but made in 1890? Why does this sound so good? What is it about this drum, you know? And this drum, I know Ludwig is a popular company and they've done so many great vintage drums. Why this snare? why is this here so special and so soft after mm-hmm. wh- why do I like this so much? Why do I like this sound so much? You know, and just those kind of things. And then finally kind of going, all right, I think I know exactly what I want. Who could I find to help me build it and not, and be okay, not offering creative input. Cause at this point I'm like, man, I just need to brain dump exactly what's up here into a drum and if someone could do that for me, I mean, I'll pay whatever, but if someone could do that for me and be okay, not offering creativity just yet, like creative opinion, which sounds yeah, weird. That's interesting. It was a very selfish project, you know?
0: No, but sometimes, uh, with any creative endeavor, it's like, sometimes you don't want people's input, like on, on anything really where like, even if you're like, i don't know it's like someone will come in if you're mixing something with music someone will come in and like say like halfway through like oh that snare's too loud and it's like yeah i I know i haven't i'm not mixing the drums yet and it's like just get out
1: (laughs) yeah there was i think there was a podcast, or not a podcast it was a ted talk i'm trying to remember who it was um it won't come to me right now but the gist of it was you know the minute you start editing creativity stops yeah i thought that was an interesting like if you want to have a creative session Make sure everybody's okay with not editing in that session. Yeah. Right. Just get and it so, all out. Get it all out. Get it realized the way that you see it and then start to edit and go, okay, these are the things that work. These are the things that don't work. But if you don't get it out, that's going to be extremely frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I did, man, I found a guy, a local guy, really sweet, honest dude. And he was making, um, drum drums out of wine barrel, like stave drums out of wine barrels which I thought was really cool. cool. Hadn't worked with metal before, but just a really good guy, you know, and, and this was a hobby for him. He, he had a day gig, you know, and a beautiful family and everything. And he lived a mile from my house. And so I was like, Hey man, I'll pay, pay for your time. I pay for all the material. If you're willing to like conquer this with me. And, And he did, man, we, we did it. And it was about six months of back and forth. And of course I drove him crazy. I was on this, like, hell-bent mission to, you know, accomplish this thing. Um, But at the end, you know, we, like, we hit the snare, and it was, I I say it Mm -hmm. a lot, but it was definitely, like, a little tear came down, like, oh, my God. (laughs) A single tear. Yeah. Did it look
0: like what we all know as, was it the, like, exactly. A&F? Exactly.
1: Exactly. The whole, okay. so let me say this. I did not design our drum initially to be this w- what what looks like a relic, you know, it wasn't an intentional nope. design for aesthetic. My mission was I love raw brass. I love the sound of brass. I don't want to worry about sweating, bleeding, dropping the drum. Like I want to build a tank. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't weigh a thousand pounds but i want to build a tank that's a workhorse that i don't have to think about and so wh- that's a that's a really concise direct you know statement sure. um, but man to accomplish that cuz you start to think about well what kind of lug is going to be the most simple design but not restrict the resonance of the shell like once you start to get it's like the iphone so easy to use man but if you take that thing apart like the complexity is insane. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. where it got that's where it got really um detail focused on how to do it. And so gotcha. raw brass continues to age. It patinas. Like the sweat, the blood, all that stuff just adds to the character. So you yeah. don't have to clean it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, really. And and man, use I mean. You said it like a relic is a great way to put it because there's something about them that just looks like I don't know i mean they they're they're almost like cinematic, you know what I mean like they look like they could that's be in cool. like a cool like old you know like almost like a sci-fi movie or something like that's in a not too distant future um, and they've
1: been in a few as as since since we've created the company Dumbo was the biggest one, but yeah. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Okay. I've seen that with, you know, watching it with my son and I, I didn't, I don't think I noticed that. That's awesome.
1: Oh, dude, it's, it is, it is the drum kit in all the circus scenes. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. You'll see it. You'll see it next
1: time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I will.
1: But that was the, that was the heart behind the design. It wasn't, it wasn't this, like, we weren't trying to be intentional about, you know, an art deco era design. It was like, no man, make it so that nothing could happen to it that I worry about (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean Art Deco, boom, obviously that's that's you that is it. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. I want to talk a little bit about the Dream Symbols recycling program. The recycling program is simple. Bring your broken or unwanted symbols, all brands accepted, into your local dream dealer, and you can earn $1 for every inch of symbol you bring in towards the purchase of a new dream symbol. For example, bring in two 20-inch symbols for recycling and receive $40 off the price of a new dream symbol. It's that easy. They, in turn, take the symbols recycled and use them to create new products like the ReFX crop circles and the naughty saucers. Check them out online at dreamsymbols.com and follow them on social media at DreamSymbols. Do you consider yourself like a design-minded person where you you pay attention to those little, like, minute details?
1: Yeah, my, my wife prior to A&F would say, man, you're like a lifestyle curator. Like, everything is details with you when it comes to food or aesthetic, you know, metrosexual, like she'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> My sister would too. But yeah, I've always loved I've always loved design and aesthetics, but I never thought of myself in that role or in that way. Of course, until A and F and I realized, oh man, I love designing, you know, colors, but designing with purpose and with a historical merit. So so every color that we release has some kind of story attached to history. You know, the hardware even there's Mm -hmm. in-depth historical research that went into getting to where we got to with our hardware. So I I definitely look, somebody said this, well, John Aldridge said this once and I've used it ever since, you know, we look back to move forward. And I feel like my, my design aesthetic is I look back to move forward all the time.
0: Especially with drums. I mean, we look back to our, you know, our forefathers and, it just kind of like, you know, things haven't changed that much, but we're really working with the blueprint that they've, you know, laid out for us. Absolutely. Um, but, all right, so you didn't just create this drum with uh, that guy you worked with there. Uh, do you want to say his name just to yeah, give him a yeah. shout out? Yeah, yeah, so Steve Fortunetti,
1: okay. and, and he was the original F in a and F. I I was going to say, okay, cool. Yeah, so we, start, we started... Um, well, we didn't start anything. We just created this A&F thing and decided, let's, let's sell like 25 of these. We weren't even selling anything. We made one for me. We made one for him. I posted some videos and pictures on Instagram. Producer, engineer friends, drummer friends were like, dude, how old is that thing? Where'd you get it? <laughs> and I was like, no, I made it, man. This is my take anywhere, play as much as I want, beat around drum. That sounds amazing. And I don't have to think about it. And then mm-hmm. like, great, well, I'll take two and I'll take one. And like I can start it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what this is. Nice. This is my drum. you know. <laughs> and uh, so then we're like, well, let's make 25 since we've got people that want to buy it, that right now. And then that became 50. And then it became 75. And then a friend of mine called and said, hey, man, I'm doing this thing for South by Southwest. And I want to use you playing drums in different areas of Austin on the street as bumpers between segments for this series that we're doing. And I was like, okay, I show up by snare and it's like other weird drum kit. That's going to be a little bit odd. Let's make a drum kit. Well, that's like, that's very loaded. (laughs) Cause you're like, wait, (laughs) Yeah. wait."
0: yeah. I'm sure Steve was like, uh, what?
1: Yeah. He's like, no man, I made a snare with you. That was a nightmare. I'm not going, you know, no man, he was really supportive. I think he, he fell in love with it too. You know, just yeah. like his work was being obviously recognized and celebrated and people were buying it and excited about it. And so there's just mm. a sense of pride that goes into that. Um, but yeah, yeah, the minute it turned into like, Massive orders and renting, you know, leasing a shop and hiring people, you know, he was kind of stuck in that, man, this doesn't pay me to do like enough to do full time. And he absolutely right. And mm-hmm. I have a family and I, I really don't want to do this full time. I, I want sure. to be, of, you know, family, I want to have my nice job and just thing. And so I'm out and, yeah. you know, and it was. Totally understand. And I was definitely going at this point, I want to do this. Like, I want to keep doing this. I want to make as many things in my head as I can. If people want to buy them, great. If they don't, I'm cool with that. But I'm putting money into this and I'm going. And so that's when it clicked. And my wife was also sitting right behind me going, dude, what is this money in our account? And what are you selling? Like, what's going on?
0: (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, you've got such a demand. Right off the bat, where it's almost like one of those, you know, you, you like it's it's natural. It just like was OK, this is a cool drum. Oh, you want one? OK, I'll sell one. I know, um, you know, hearing the big fat snare drum guys, it was like a similar story where it was like, oh, I made one. Oh, they wanted they want two. Oh, you want 20. So it's it's just like a you know, you're doing something right when it naturally um, picks up there. But correct me if I'm wrong, you are out your builder at that point. So what did you do then to find a builder?
1: Well, and that's the thing, man. And I, I really, um, I'm so grateful that I, I fell in love with vintage drums early and was able to study how they were made and, and just because what what we figured out when we designed our lug concept is you know there this was a unique thing and hadn't been done this specific way before. We were able to patent, you know, our first first patent I've ever had, you know on on our lugs and our aesthetic, the look of everything. Um, And so we made it simple. Once we figured it all out, we simplified process. This is where my business thing comes in. It's like, it's great, but if it's complicated, you can't duplicate it enough to make a business out of it. It's gotta be simple. There's gotta be a way to streamline without affecting quality, right? There's all these Mm -hmm. things you've got to balance out and I started doing that early. Uh, and so when we, when we hired our first guy, Steve was still there, he trained him. Right. And then from there, it just kind of went, 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 went. So our processes are really simple. The hard part was getting the design right so that it could be simple in process. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Cause you like so many things in life, if you're redoing mainly in music or, you know, in, production, whatever, if you're redoing from scratch, every time you're going to you're setting yourself up for failure, it's almost like you template it out and you, you know, you make it easier on yourself. So that makes makes perfect sense. So so you were, uh, I don't know if incorporated is the right word, but at that point, A&F was a business. You guys, you were a full on, you know, you're a drum company at that point, right?
1: So, yeah, well, that that was my wife. So my wife was like, you have to form a company and pay taxes on all this stuff through your <laughs> yeah. company. Cause if you pay through personal, it's going to more and you are actually, this is a company. So you've mm-hmm. got to treat this for what it really is. Don't try to force it into our personal income. That's weird. Yeah. And so, sh- so we formed an LLC. Um, and at that time, also one of my good buddies who was with me through that season where I was working at the church and, also, uh, you know, a sponsor of uh, AA and NA, you know, um, men right going through that. So, mm-hmm. like, we did a lot of life together. Uh, he at the time was also entrepreneur and saw the opportunity and said, "Man, let me partner with you on this. Let me come in on this, and I'll do these parts of the business." And you know, we'll kind of break it up: you, me, you, and Steve. And so he came in, and so May first, we formed the company. May first of twenty sixteen was the official forming of ANF. by then we had already made snares we had made uh drum kits and so we were just catching up we were racing to catch up
0: <laughs> yeah yeah wow i mean and like you said making a drum set is a little bit different than uh just making a snare but i mean you're not just making regular drum sets though is the thing which uh i mean it It's not like, let's get some Keller shells and let's just put them together. I mean, they are, from a design standpoint, from the sizes that you've used are just, I mean, you've got the, like, giant pancake snares. You've got the huge bass drums. You've got the kind of single, um, you know, tension uh, rod construction on a lot of drums. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, what would be... I don't know. Maybe without giving out way your secrets, but like, what would be if you're going to come out with a new drum set? Does it start with you, like putting pen to paper and kind of just like writing down your ideas and drawing something out, like what some of these really cool designs? Is that all coming from you?
1: Um, it 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 starts with me and finishes with the team. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. And so, um, a lot of the stuff up until now, for the most part these were things that I would makeshift in the studio to get sounds for a record. So it's like, man, I really want this fat snare. Let me grab, let me grab this old floor tom that I have and cut it down and Mm -hmm. put some wires on it. Nobody made 18 inch wires at the time. So let me get some 16 inch wires and let's, let me take, let me have this, you know, in my arsenal. And, uh, the pancake was like, let me take this banjo apart in the middle of a session. Actually (laughs) took a banjo apart, makeshift snare and go. And so I was, I'm drawing a lot from all these things in the studio that I think drummers at the time, I think drummers would want to actually buy something like this. That's already done. If they heard what it does and engineers and producers would love it too. So let's just make it. I mean, we can make it, let's make it. Uh, so that's, that's how those things happen. It's like drawing from my years in the studio and sounds and soundscapes and just creating vibes and and turning it into drum and then the other side is kind of my rebellious like man everybody's programming beats now and pop songs like there's some great drummers that can play that stuff and i remember when i was doing session work i mean my first big session was playing live beats for the first black eyed peas record so i was in there had all my vintage drums and snare hat, different variations of snare hat, playing down beats. And, you know, they'd sample eight bars of it on the MPC, but it was still a live drummer. And then you started to see that kind of go away where people are just sampling sounds and creating. And it kind of broke my heart. I was like, man, there's drummers out there yeah. that can play this stuff way better than that program and faster. They just need sound. They need more arsenal, sonic arsenals, because that's what you have with programming. You can start, you know, tweaking sounds and stuff. And so... yeah. The pancake, the gunshot, the rude boys—like all these things—were sounds that the drummers can now take back. You know the groove. <laughs> yeah. Like take back, man. Fight the computer. You know.
0: Yeah. No, for real. I mean, it's kind of like—I uh, mean, it, I've heard other people say it, but it parallels. You know, when like you know the computers coming in and taking jobs away from drummers, obviously, kind of parallels like the silent movie thing when those drummers were lo- losing their jobs and and stuff, but. Yeah, man. I mean, you have on that note too of of yes, you've created a, a bunch of really cool, unique equipment that is just like you know one of a kind. But because of that, you've created like diehard fans. I mean, there are the A and people yeah. who just really, really, really. And I've I've played a few kits. I played one at uh, the last Pasic that happened in person, and um, they're not just like you've been saying this entire time, they're not just pretty drums. they also sound awesome. They serve a function. <laughs> they like, you know, they don't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. I mean, they're worth the money. You, I feel like people just, and, and it seems like they're like a, um, it's like a showpiece in your, you, you put it in like your living room or something. Functional you know? art
1: is what my wife calls it.
0: Yeah, for Functional sure. Art. I mean, so, all right. On the timeline here though, it, I mean it seems like you're 5 years old so it's not even been that long really but you really hit the ground running like it seems like you just out of the gate boom you've been just killing it has has have things from what from what I can see as an outsider things have just progressively been going up and up and up is that fair to say
1: Yeah man you know 2020 uh leaving Nam January 2020 was positioned to be one of the biggest growth years for us ever um enter COVID. And this is such a secondary thing. Cause the primary thing was people's lives and health and sure. jobs, like the mess that COVID brought. Um, we were somewhat insulated large, I would say largely because we are a very conservative financial model of a company. Uh-huh. I chose to do that very early. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have very little, if, if no debt and, um, everything we do is if we can pay for it. We do it. If we can't, we wait type of thing. Um, yeah, and so that sustained this. So March, April, May of last year, you know, were really tough cause COVID just had started to do its thing. And then around June started to swing back up and then July exploded and we're back on growth track into this year nice um and i think next year is going to be explosive with all the tours and the shows and everything coming back in full swing you know so probably this yeah. year too but you know you're really going to feel it i think next year so yeah just steady growth path um trying to be as responsible as we can covid definitely you know again it's very secondary this is like third wor- first world problem but <laughs> yeah
0: but, yeah but it's your life i mean it's your livelihood so it's like yeah It's, yeah, it's important.
1: It kicked us in the balls, man. Um, Yeah. Mainly for getting supplies, like getting raw brass, getting wood for our shells, like getting materials, uh, and then shipping. You know, the shipping companies have just been, like they're they're having to restructure everything because it just, it was painful. So delays, man. I hated, up until COVID, rarely would we, would we be late on making a drum from our lead time, you know? And it's, it used to be eight weeks on snares, 12 weeks on kits. And after COVID, you know, we were, we'd were we fallen almost two months behind our lead times. And so, we, you know, we were... And I will say, like, it wasn't that we weren't doing the work here and able to keep up. It was like, it was just getting materials. Like, for yeah. example, Remo had closed during COVID for at least two hmm. months. Yeah, I heard so that we couldn't get heads. <laughs> like <laughs> drums drums were all sitting in the shop ready to get heads on them and we couldn't get heads.
0: Wow. And I, you know, I, I started
1: calling all of our retail partners who you know their shops were only online at the time and just buying as many heads as we could, but also they need it, you know, because for their customers and, and these these wouldn't be logo heads, right? And so I had to ship had the ship drums out with whatever heads we could get with a note saying, as soon as we get logo heads, I'll send you replacements. Don't worry. Like, we're going to make yeah, this all please. right. But, man, it was a cluster mess. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, Everyone's in that position, though. And and COVID, there's so many things where, like, it affected so many things where, like uh, like, I had to buy longer screws to hang, like, a shutter on my house that blew off. And it's like, oh, you can't get them. No, can't get a five-inch screw or whatever. It's just like things like... Or or there's something where like uh, at a grocery store, it was like, yeah, we're out of cream cheese. We couldn't yeah, get it. Yeah, because <laughs> we've got
1: Ace, Lowe's, and Home Depot all you know within three miles. And same thing, you go in there to get just any, any materials that we just haven't been able to get, try to get it from there. And the, some of the shelves are cleaned out. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, we're a two, three-month back order. We have no idea when stuff's coming in. Because, you know, Crazy. and here's the thing. You start to learn that... I mean, man, like 80 to 90% of some of the stuff is coming from overseas. And
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Specifically
1: China, right? And China's shut down and they're really tightening up on all the shipping out because they're trying to be safe for the right reasons, you know? Yeah. And so that's what was happening. It was like you just couldn't get stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, but I mean that, it seems like that's kind of uh well, I want to say that seems like it's kind of coming to an end, but honestly, I mean, you see these built like like home builders and things like if you want something done on your house, I mean prices have tripled on lumber i mean it's it's insane now how how are you guys let's kind of transition into what a and f is going to be doing in the future? I know you said twenty twenty one is looking like a great you know year so far all you know albeit with the the price of things expanding you know uh of like materials and things being hard to get but what can the a and fers out there uh look forward to yeah man future?
1: um i i, I do want to say to the, the the statement that you said things are getting seem to be getting better it it's gonna get worse before it gets better mm-hmm. unfortunately um yeah because the other thing that texas got hit with was a snowstorm and elect and a grid uh, you sure. know, that, that basically broke down. Um, yeah. And so that was an additional, that added time. But anyway, what we did is we hired two more people, uh, as of last week. And now we're on this like mad dash to to catch up. But again, we're just running into issues, getting materials. So, um, what we did was we are buying materials in massive bulk. We're basically putting a lot of money in right now. So, we're mm. buying a year's worth of materials, whether it be metal or wood. And it's going to take longer to get those materials. But once we have them, we'll be able to catch up at like rocket speed pace. You know, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Uh, cause,
1: cause two more people in the shop means three times as much, you know, work done at the same quality. Right. Yeah. And so, for sure, that's where we're at there. Um, we're continuing, I, you know. Right now, what I'm focusing on, as far as design is concerned, I want to finish out our hardware series. So the hiat stand is done, and that's uh, that. Hopefully, will be landing in the next couple of weeks, like the first batch of those. They're already sold, but that's great. And then, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm finishing our kick pedal. I'm finishing our drum throne. I'm finishing our hardware bag, um, and a full a full line of drum bags. And then uh you know ANF hardware is gonna be making hardware in other areas of music, including uh guitar stands and microphone stands, things like that that we've been designing. Uh same yeah, same aesthetic, same approach, sitting with like with the mic stand. We have the luxury of having you know Rupert Neve designs here in Austin. Hmm. Oh cool.
0: Wow, that's nice. Yeah,
1: so we've been working with them just gathering information and their wisdom and their knowledge to try and make some really cool studio mic stands, Um, bags for microphones. We're making those making bags for guitars and um, a a few other instruments. So we're just using what we've done and the method that we've done it and applying it in other areas that where we see, where we see a need, I should say. You know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, you're a drum company yeah. for sure, but, but, but you're like almost, you've almost created like a lifestyle brand where it's a very certain like aesthetic where, uh, you know, like you said, where you're very, you know, a like detailed and you're, you're very, uh, a, a lot of attention, uh, to detail. And there's a lot of people like that who want their gear to be kind of a work of art. Um, so it's, it makes perfect sense that you're expanding, into those other markets, because I there's just as many, you know, microphone, you know, nerds out there and guitar guys and girls and people who who love all this stuff who want to put their their gear in a nice case or spend that little extra to have a guitar stand that is a, really kind of a work of art. Um, so it makes perfect sense. I think it's a it's not you're not overstepping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thanks, you're not man. stepping too far out.
1: Yeah, and 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 trying to stand behind it too you know the drums our drums have a lifetime warranty on manufacturing um, if if it breaks mm. or get or or tweaks or whatever and it's because of something that we made not because you you know dropped the kit off of a two-story building we can still fix that by the way and we have we fixed a mm. completely demolished uh, brass kit in an accident that nobody got hurt thank God but the drums yes. were squashed we completely Brought them back to life to its original state, but you know, on the manufacturing side, we replace it, fix it, or replace it right away, and get it out to you as quickly as possible. On the hardware, it, you can't. It's a little bit different. The hardware's got a two-year warranty, um, which is consistent with most of the hardware that's that's made out there today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The bags are a five-year warranty. Same with you know consistent with a lot of the bags that are out there today. But, you know the high-end bags like. Me briggs and rally that kind of stuff yeah sure um but yeah man it's yeah. it's taking it's just taking what we've done and and applying it in other areas where we see there's there's uh a need and and an opportunity for us to actually fill that need with pride like with integrity i should say
0: yeah and like most pro drum sets and pro gear they're you know you you get what you pay for so these are not you know you're you don't you're not selling beginner drum sets so i think people have a lot more pride in something that they've had to maybe save up a little bit for, or, um, you know, you, you know, like you, you feel it more like it's an investment into your career and your studies as a drummer when you buy these. Cause, uh, cause again, they're, they're not the cheapest drums in the world. And I think you get what you pay for. And if you want quality, you gotta, you gotta pay for it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, man. And you know, the tough part for any company right now but you're going to start seeing it across the board, not just instruments. Any anybody who's making anything, um, prices are going to go up because commodities are going up. The price of wood, yeah. the price of metal, all that stuff is rising, and so we're we're trying to hold back as much as we can to see what you know what we can do to cushion that blow. But um, you know we haven't sure. raised our prices since 2017. And we only raised them in 2017 because in 2016 we were making stuff out of our garage or a small shop, and it was a small quantity. in the minute that things took off, we're like, "Whoa, we're not making yeah. any money on this."
0: Overhead goes up, and uh,
1: yeah, you just start to think it through. You're like, "Well, I don't want. I hate hate raising prices, but if it yeah. if you absolutely have to, I hate more the idea of closing our company." Right. So
0: Yeah. I think we all want you to be around and not go out well, of business because you didn't raise Yeah, less lesser yeah. of
1: two evils, right? But yeah, yeah, so we're we're trying to assess that now and figure out what it's gonna look like. We we honestly won't know until we start looking at the new prices of commodities, once they're landed here and you know, whether they're coming from Colorado or San Antonio or Minneapolis, like wherever, we just we gotta look at the pricing and and make an assessment, but you're going to start seeing it across the board, man. I, I, I'm a cigar guy. I love cigars. And, uh, this year I saw cigars take a hike about 30%. Um, Hmm. so we're, we're not, we're not, I don't see that kind of hike anywhere in our future. Um, yeah, but we do have to figure out what, what it's going to look like. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. But you know, you just got to chug through it and, uh, it is what it is. I think everyone's in the same boat. So um well, um as we finish up, I think we can tell people where they can uh you know find you and order drums and all that stuff, but before we do that, I want to give a couple shout-outs here. Um so I had uh I've had multiple people suggest this episode, but um originally Rob Andre who works with you, obviously yeah. who's a ANF, you know, mem- team member he, he su- suggested you like last year and was like, man, it'd be a great episode. And, um, so thanks to Rob. And then more recently, Brian M Johnson reached out via Instagram and sent me a picture of his awesome set in his like cool looking, I think like apartment and, uh, and it's just a beautiful, um, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, he's got a cool plant next to it and it's just a nice, it's like a piece of furniture. Yeah. I
1: mean, he's <laughs> really, awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, Thanks to those guys. And then I want to give a shout out to uh, Corey Strange, who did some great work with you guys designing the box for your hardware. Cor- right? Yeah,
1: Corey's amazing, man. I, I wanted our, our packaging to have a personal touch. And uh, I asked Corey if he wouldn't mind hand drawing every you know, piece of hardware that we're releasing uh, to scale so we could put it on the box that way. Yeah. So yeah, he took every stand, made a hand drawing, and we uh, you know we created a, we created digital versions of it, and it's on all of our packaging, and he's, he's just incredible, man. I, I love that guy.
0: Yeah, he's awesome. His, his art is uh, phenomenal. And, and just that idea alone of doing like a true-to-life illustration of the hardware, um, I think is so cool, and it kind of goes back to early, early, early you know, 40s drum catalogs where they wouldn't have pictures. They'd actually have illustrations. And I think it's awesome. Like it's kind we were of talking
1: throwback. earlier about looking back to move forward. I loved those old catalogs. We do have uh, something that is in the works around that. And I'll talk about that on a future date once it's getting closer to. But yeah, we looked at those catalogs and that was a huge inspiration. Um, and, you know, the other thing was the practical aspect of when you have hardware in boxes sitting in shops, most of the time, you know, your retail guy's got to take it out for someone to at least see it. And, yeah, and mind you, you know, we, we encourage all the dealers to have it out on the floor and, and so that people can try it. But there's also the fact that just walking through, you can look at the box and, and know exactly what's in the box, uh, just with the drawing. So there's, the, there's yeah. a practical component to that as well. But Yeah, r- really awesome. And again, I, I didn't get to say this, but Rob, Rob came on as our sales director. And he said he was one of the one of the three people that recommended the that we what we do this together. And he's he's been an incredible, incredible value add to our company. Man, he brings so much. So I can't say enough good yeah. things about about all those guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then I wanted to also, um, I think we've talked, but uh, I, I always see on Facebook Brandon Bogle. I just wanted to mention because he runs the uh, I think the ANF Appreciation, the A and F page on Facebook, and. I just think it's so cool when someone is so passionate about it. I just wanted to kind of give him a mention of like, you know, it's cool. Brandon, it's cool that you're doing that and love the company so much to represent it and just, you know, spread the gospel of a uh, of and That guy's a so rock star, I, man.
1: Such a rock yeah, star.
0: For sure. So, all right, Rami, on that note, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious. Usually people can just find your website, but why don't you tell people where they can, you know go and order ANF you know where they can find them where they can try them all that good stuff.
1: yeah yeah so uh, our webpage is a n as in Nancy F is in frank drumco.com uh, on our webpage if you're looking for dealers you can go um, you can go in the, in the in the menu and pick the the I think it's retailers um, page and it has all the dealers globally that that have ANF drums in the shops. Uh, if there's not a dealer in your city that, that sells ANF, you know, we sell direct as well, only to places where we don't have representation because you know, we're sure. still small. We're not everywhere, but we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and then the other thing I want to encourage everybody to do is, is subscribe to our YouTube channel. Cause we, we just launched something called ANF live and it's a, basically it's a live cast where we sh- we showcase some gear, uh, we have some interviews, but you can you know you can ask questions in real time, and we'll answer them live. There's they're like forty five minute episodes, and then awesome. you know they'll 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 live on our YouTube channel after the fact as well. But that's we're trying to create a resource where we can continue to answer and educate and do everything we can to inform people of you know the who why where what of NF. Uh,
0: yeah. Man, that's awesome. It's good to be community based and reaching out to people and, and, you know, uh, and obviously drummers like being listened to and, uh, talking to their companies and, and just doing what you're doing right now of talking to me about this. And then people can listen is, uh, is an important thing. Cause I, I didn't know any of this stuff. So it's cool to know the man behind A&F has such a cool background in, you know, drumming and touring and production and, uh, really it's born anf is born out of your own necessity that really like hey everyone else can can take advantage of your you know desire to make a great drum for yourself and now 5 years later um which which happy birthday thanks, i mean man. Here, this will be out in, in may 2021 i'll release this you know this month and um you made it you're the big you're you're halfway to a decade
1: <laughs> thanks man yeah big celebration yeah. super super grateful for the support really can't can't say enough um, praise for just everybody's support in this, in this journey. It's been incredible.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Well, Rami, um, I want to, again, thank you for coming on the show and for everyone listening, Rami's going to hang out for a couple more minutes and we're going to do one of the Patreon bonus episodes that we've been doing recently. And um, I want to hear Rami about these, just like the far out kind of like symbols that you make. (laughs) That are in the crazy shapes and stuff and um and just w- sourcing them and who's making them and all that stuff, so uh if you want to hear that conversation, you can go to drumhistorypodcast dot com click the patreon button, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about some other stuff uh, as we do. It kind of spirals off into other things, but um yeah, you can donate a little bit of money and uh you'll you know be involved in that so. Anyway, Rami, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and spending time with us. And again, it's a n is in nancy f uh, for everyone out there who can check out ANF, but I think everyone knows a lot about ANF cuz you're you're there, man. You're you're a very popular drum company.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing this too with us. This is this is awesome.